All right, as we continue going through the book of Ephesians, in one of these years we'll be out of this book, and uh, we're in chapter 6, and uh, I want to read this morning one verse. Take the, the helmet of salvation, and we saw that last week, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, Paul says. So we're uh, looking at this week the sword of the Spirit. Uh, Remember, the armor of God says God loves you. I, I I, I don't know if I said that last week or not, but something I was thinking about is God does not leave us defenseless and powerless, and swordless. He is the one who provides that. Why? Because he loves us. If he cared nothing about us, we would not have any of those things. Uh, But they've been given for us because he loves us. And today we come to the sword, which is an offensive and a defensive weapon. Because so far we've just been looking at defense. Now, I like to play football and I'm a defensive guy. I like to tackle people. And so, uh, all, so far, all these weapons are for defense, the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation. Now, you could probably kill somebody with a shield or fight with a shield, but the sword is a real offensive weapon. So, but it's part of this armor. So we want to look at that today and, and, uh, and see how to resist the devil's temptation and with what do we resist him? Uh, do we resist him with just saying, get out of here, devil. Leave me alone, devil. Is that how you resist him? It ain't going to work. I've tried that. No, there's a, there's a, uh, a weapon that we're going to talk about. Uh, submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So we want to talk about that this morning. Remember all of this kind of, all of the, these things are connected, are they not? You might say, well, you've talked about this before. I would talk about it again, probably, because uh, it, it all is part of the whole armor, and they're all connected. And what is it, really, is to put on Christ. Christ is our shield. Christ is the helmet, our salvation. Uh, uh, the sword of the Spirit. The Word of God and so forth. So it's all about him, is it not? It's not about us because we know we're weak and frail and prone to wander and, and, and make mistakes and sin and you name it. That's us. But we have on Christ who is our righteousness. We have that breastplate of right, his righteousness. And we've talked about as a soldier, we're perfect. We're perfect in Christ. Because we have his righteousness and on. So it's all about him. So never forget that. And, uh, and we want to talk though uh, this morning about resisting the devil. What is this Roman sword that Paul talks about here? Uh, the Greek word, which, you know, I'm, it's uh, uh, moxra, moxra. And it sounds pretty bad, doesn't it? I like sword, but in the Greek, it's uh, moxera. And, uh, 
But uh, that's, that was the word. That was different from the great big long sword that you see with the, uh, uh, the guys and knights who had this wielding sword. The sword that Paul, though, is talking about is, is different from that. Uh, it refers to a short sword that was kept in a sheath on the belt of the soldier. It was used in hand-to-hand combat in close quarters, shield against shield with, with a lunging uh, sword uh, to do battle with. And this sword was, was uh, sharpened on both sides. So no matter how, which way you would swing it, it would cut either way. And so it was a sharp two-edged sword, as Hebrews 4.12 says. We'll look at that in a minute. And so it could be handled with great precision. In other words, you could take that and stick it right where you wanted to. It was not like this great big sword that you would wield and hope that you hit something or it would take a long time to, to wield it. No, this is quick and it's sharp. Yeah. And this is what Paul is talking about here. Uh, that's our sword. And it could protect the whole body. It had a full range of motion. I guess if you were good enough, you could even block something that was coming from behind with the sword. And if you've seen some of this kung fu stuff, you know, and all this, and you go, nah, I ain't buying that, you know. But, uh, but it was, you know, it was, a, it was an instrument of, uh, of death, of striking the enemy and killing the enemy. And uh, so we want to look at that this morning. Uh, there are several things that we need to uh, understand and interpret in this passage that we just read. There are two phrases. Uh, it talks about uh, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Okay, so there are two things we want to talk about. First of all, the sword of the Spirit. What does that mean? Uh, here the sword uh, is not... Uh, the spirit, like the belt of truth. The belt was the truth. That's not what Paul's saying here. He interprets, so you wouldn't misunderstand that, what the sword of the spirit is. And what does he say? Which is the word of God. So he actually interprets that, so you won't get that uh, confused. It's the sword the spirit uses, the word of God. And so... It's, it's extremely important. Uh, by the way, we don't wield the Holy Spirit. We don't control the Spirit and tell the Spirit where to go and what to do. And No, because it's the Word of God. Okay, So think of it that way. Uh, this, uh, uh, it's, a, it's important that we understand this is the Word of God. We need to, to know this weapon is, is spiritual. This is not a physical sword that he's talking about here. And we know from other passages of Scripture, and, second, and we've talked about this before, but review is good. Uh, I, I do it all the time to remember what we've learned in the past. Paul says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. What are those? Guns, you know, uh, hand grenades, cannons. No. 
On the contrary, they have divine power, that is the weapon that we have, divine power to demolish strongholds. This is a spiritual thing he's talking about. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So this is a spiritual thing Paul is dealing with here, not, not a physical uh, sword as such. We said, secondly, of the Spirit means uh, that it is from the Spirit. The Spirit is the author of the Word of God. We see in Second Peter, Second Peter 1, 20 and 21, it says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of the Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things, his own ideas, his own will. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So this comes from God, not from man. And uh, it's important uh, that we all understand that. We must Understand the word uh, through the Spirit. We must understand the word through the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2, uh, uh, 12 says, What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit, capitalized, who is from God, so that we may, what? Understand what God has freely given us. In other words, you cannot understand, spiritually speaking, the word. If you go on in 1 Corinthians 2, 14, it says, The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them what they're spiritually discerned. So you have to have the Spirit of God to understand God's word. And it's that important. And we, we see that uh, the word is brought to your mind by the Spirit. Luke 12, 11 and 12, it says, When you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. So we have the Holy Spirit as a believer, and we can be guided by the Holy Spirit and taught by the Holy Spirit and even speak with the Holy Spirit guiding us as we, uh, as we go along. And he will bring to our minds, and that happens to me all the time when I'm preaching. Verses are coming, things I say, and, and probably about half of what I've said already I don't even have in my notes because you're, you're sensitive what, to what the Spirit of God wants you to say to those you're speaking to. It takes a while to, to, to be that free to do that. Uh, the first time I ever preached, it was like point number one, point, said exactly, and that was it, you know. And, uh, and that was okay, because that's where you begin. But after a while, you listen to the Holy Spirit. And you need to do that if you're witnessing to somebody, because everybody's different, and they all have different needs, and the Holy Spirit can say to you what they need to hear. And you can read a verse to them, and you can uh, be used in, in that uh, wonderful way. And uh, so, 
so it's given, it's understood by the whole. It's also made effective by uh, the Spirit. And of course, the Spirit convicts, He converts, He regenerates. You cannot regenerate yourself. You must have the Holy Spirit. James 1, 16 through 18. Do not be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. Who does not change like shifting shadows? Praise God for that. He doesn't change his mind and say, okay, you're saved by grace today. Next week I'm going to make it by works. And Well, I don't know what I'm going to do after that, but no. He never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. He chose to give us birth, the new birth, regeneration, being born again, however you want to call it, when the spirit of God moves upon us. And so he doesn't play, he doesn't play games. Uh, we're begotten by his spirit. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, ministry written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. See, he gives you a new heart. You're born again, and you, and you have a love for God now. Such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit, what? Gives life. Gives life. Now if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, uh, transitory though it, it was, and so forth. So keep that in mind as you, as you study his word. We're begotten through uh, the Spirit. The Spirit brings life. Uh, it brings results. The Holy Spirit does not fool around with people. It's not a cat and mouse thing. When the Spirit works, He completes what He starts. And if the Holy Spirit is working in you, He will continue to do that. As you, now, you, you must yield to the Holy Spirit. When He speaks to you, you go, Thank you. Thank you, God. And then by your grace, change me. Open my understanding so I can see. Uh, give me the power to, to change by your mighty power and so forth. John 6.63, notice the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. Notice the words I have spoken to you. So we see here, it takes the word of God being used by the Holy Spirit in your life. That's why it's so important for you to know God's word to understand God's Word, to study God's Word, to meditate, to memorize, to read, to hear. You can't get enough. And as you know, you, you know you're like a sponge. I never forget when I first came to Christ, I couldn't get enough. It was like more, more, more. Now some of it was wrong and I had to recant or repent of 
some things that I, uh, you know, I had to ch- I changed mind about later on. But that was okay because I was growing and I was learning, and and uh, God was working mightily by His power. And so this is what He does. John three five through eight. Jesus answered, "Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless you are born of water and the Spirit." See, of the Spirit, of the the sword of the Spirit. It's the Word of God that God takes and He works in you through His Word by the powers of His Spirit. And you must be born again of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again, he says to Nicodemus. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And so that's what I said. It's the Word of God that we preach. The sword is not the Spirit because the Spirit of God goes wherever it pleases. And uh, remember that. It's so important not to get these uh, truths uh, messed up. And then Isaiah fifty-five eleven says... So is my word that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will, not possibly could, maybe, uh, if the person is just smart enough to get it, or no. It will accomplish what I desire, what I desire, and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And you know what? Sometimes it hardens. It hardens. Pharaoh's heart, but sometimes it softens and it draws and it woos. And that's what it does when we come to know Christ. We, we, we love Him. We're changed by that power. We're, we're born again. And uh, He gets all the glory. And uh, uh, let us never forget that. So the two you cannot separate. You cannot separate the Spirit and the Word. You can't have the Spirit effective apart from the, the Word. And you can't have the Word effective apart from the Spirit. They must be both together there, and then you have regeneration and, and change, and the power is there. It's like two wings of a bird. You know, if you just have one, it's going to be all over the place. No, it takes two wings uh, for this bird to fly. And so don't separate them. Uh, don't separate them. And uh, Psalm, one, uh, Psalm 119, 18. This is what we need to pray every day. When we read God's word, when, when we listen to God's word preached or whatever, we should be saying, Lord, open mine eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Do you pray that? When you, when you sit down and you say, Lord, I don't understand this. I have commentaries. I've read all the commentaries. I still don't understand this. Would you please open my eyes to hear from you what this is teaching? And then not only hear and know and understand, but then act on it. Because it takes the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. This is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God.
And so don't neglect God's word, but also don't neglect the spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Pray that. Come, Holy Spirit, work in me. Come, Holy Spirit, move me. Come, Holy Spirit, open my understanding, my eyes. We need to pray that. You know, uh, Paul on the Damascus Road, we don't find the Holy Spirit begging Paul for permission to change him. Have you ever thought about that on the Damascus? The Holy Spirit doesn't come say, now, Paul, I'm up here, and now, if you... Now, what do we find when he uh, was on the Damascus Road? And I think I left that verse out. But when the, it says that the Spirit shone all around him, the light was all around him. And uh, Paul didn't say, I, I don't want any of this. Uh, what, you know, No, he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. He replied, now get up and go into the city. Not if you want to. Say, no. The Spirit of God, you know, no, and you will be told what you must do. See, that's the way we need to pray. Show me what I must do after we become a Christian. Lord, there's, there's things in this church that need to be done. And you know what? If I am neglecting that in the church, helping with people who need help or whatever, the church suffers. The body suffers. But uh, So we need to be asking, Lord, uh, as we also find Lydia, I've used this many times, but it's just so cl- uh, clear. Acts 16, 14, one of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, uh, uh, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. The word preached. You see the both of them there? The Holy Spirit opened her heart, but it was in response to the word of God that Paul was preaching. See, it takes both. It takes both. But the Holy Spirit took that word and opened her understanding to what Paul was preaching. And he did that to you. He is still doing that to you. Wow, he's a good God. He is a great God and wonderful Savior who loves us and and watches over us. Uh, So, the only way the Spirit brings salvation is through the Word of God. The letter kills, the Spirit makes alive. Secondly, Secondly, we need to understand the meaning of the word word. And uh, what does this talk about? Two words, logos, which is not used here. This is the word rhema. It refers to a specific saying of God. The citations, the quotes from the inspired scriptures, uh, the writings of the scripture. This is what Jesus used on Satan when being tempted. He quoted from Deuteronomy. Uh, specifically for what he was being attacked with and the, uh, 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 the right verse in the right time and the right place. And so all of that is important. That's why we need to, to know it. And this is called the rhema, the rhema, the word of God. Uh, John 3.16 is a rhema of God. Uh, 
it's the word of God, and we need to be, we need to uh, do like Jesus did, and I said this, I think, last week, say to Satan, it is written. It's not what I think, my opinion is. No, it is written because we believe it and we know it's true. And this is our weapon that we must use. And so use the right scripture in the area that you're being attacked. What is a spiritual explanation? Uh, how are the specific sayings of God in scripture a sword to the Christian in spiritual warfare? Uh, how does it act like, uh, that way? Uh, well, for one thing, we know it brings conviction. How often have you heard the word of God? And I've even had t- people tell me when, I've le- uh, when they leave, said, man, you stomped all over my feet this morning. You just beat me. I said, no, it wasn't me. It was the word of God. Because you've been convicted of a sin in your life. You, some, a place where you need to repent and change. It may be an attitude. It may be, I mean, I don't know what it may be, but you were convicted by the Holy Spirit. Now, to be convicted is good, but you act on that conviction, a conviction and then you repent. See, there's, it's not just hearing, knowing, understanding, being convicted. and No, it's a response. It's an attitude of, God, forgive me. You go to a person and you say, please forgive me for saying what I said, or whatever it may be. And this is what Paul is talking about uh, very specifically. uh, uh, The Word, the Word of God. Uh, It penetrates, it cuts. Here is the uh, verse in Hebrews 4.12. It says, for the Word of God is alive and active. Boy, I have known that because I have been cut in two by the word of God. Now a lot of times I may not be repentant, but it cut me in two, sharper than any double-edged sword. And that's what Paul, the Roman sword was. It was double-edged, sharpened on both sides. And I'm sure when you took it out, it went ring, and it probably was very uh, uh, glistened even maybe. And uh, so it's, uh, it penetrates it penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So you can't hide from the Word of God because it goes right to your heart. It goes. Isn't it beautiful how Paul did this? I mean, he just, and the analogy is just, well, it was, of course, guided by the, the uh, Holy Spirit. And uh, so... It smites us to spiritual awareness. Let me, let me just say this. Are you sensitive to the word of God since you've become a Christian? Or is it your attitude, well, I got saved back there and uh, I'm kind of done with that and I'm going to live my own life. And uh, yeah, I know I should be doing that. I should be going to church. I should be. Re- you better watch your attitude. Uh, it's a sign that something is wrong somewhere. No, it's a two-edged sword. It, it kills us. It kills us. It shows us where we need to repent, but it, 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 but it also makes alive. 
it makes alive. Amen. It's still making me more alive all the time in the sense of I'm growing in the grace and knowledge. Uh, Jesus is becoming uh, m- more to me every day as I learn more about Him and trust Him more. And, and uh, uh, So we find in Acts chapter 2, did I skip one? Yes, Acts 2, 37 through 38. When the people heard this, that is the sermon, the Word of God, when it was preached, they were what? Cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Come to Jesus. Say, Come to Christ. Don't just be cut to the heart. That's, you know, that's good. They were cut to the heart, but then they realize, I've been killed. I am dead. Now, what can make me alive? Come to Jesus. You see, you don't go halfway. It's the sword, the Word of God in the Spirit. Come to Christ. I think I said that to those in the, the funeral. Come to Christ. Uh, it's, uh, uh, it evangelizes. It, it pierces. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by a word of God. That's uh, Romans ten seventeen. The rhema. It comes by the rhema of God. And we should let the, uh, the word of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness. Just like around Paul. The light shone around Paul. Out of the darkness of his soul. And he thought he was the Pharisee. And he was the Pharisee of the Pharisees. Made his light shine in our hearts. He did that to Paul to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. To, to, to God be the glory. Wow. That's a good God. So the best way to evangelize is to quote Scripture, read the Scripture, know the Scripture. Have you ever noticed I use a lot of Scripture? So, you know what? You might believe that I believe that. Because I realize it's not me. It's the Scripture. That's the power of God that the Holy Spirit uses. I listened to a sermon yesterday. Well, part of one because I couldn't watch it anymore. And I won't tell you who this evangelist was. Well, no one though. He, I listened to him for 20 minutes. He never mentioned the name of Christ, ever, never. And then he told three stories. Never heard any scripture in all that he was saying. It was just these little nicety stories, and God loves you, and everything's going to be wonderful. And I'm going, whoa, that is so shallow. And he'll stand before God one day because he was not preaching the word. See, there's a difference from getting up and, and telling stories, and then preaching the Word. And so, a lot of people don't like the Word preached. They want their ears tickled. They want to be told they're good, and, uh, and, uh, and so forth. Did I read this first? I don't think I did. Okay, Acts 17, 2 and 3. As it was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days... He reasoned with them from his wisdom 
and, and all that he knew about, no. He reasoned with them from the what? Scriptures explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. And then after that, it said that many of them trusted Christ. And I didn't put that in there, but that's the important part. There's so much. Uh, there's so much we could, we could talk about. In Colossians, I didn't put these verses down here, but sometimes I discover things after Janine does the verses at night. I'll go, ooh, I wish I'd have given her that one. But in Colossians chapter 3, it says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. What's the answer? Setting your hearts on things above. We fill our minds with stuff, TV, uh, on and on and on. And he says, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Look forward. Whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report, he says in Philippians 4.8, think on these things. Let me ask you, how much time a day are you spending on the Word of God? Because that will tell you how much you believe about its power and how much you really want to be changed by the power of God. It will tell you a whole lot about yourself. And he, and he, he lists all these things, these rhemas of God, uh, on down through here, you can, you can read it. Put off, put off. Uh, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature and so forth. Sexual immorality. But then down in, in, in Colossians 3.16, he says, I want you to let this really sink in. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Whoa, let the word of Christ dwell in you. And you can't do that if you don't know it. This is convicting to me as, as well. So uh, I'm not throwing stones here because we're all guilty uh, of not believing, for one thing, uh, that this is the weapon that we need. This is the weapon. We must believe that it is the weapon. Not more storytelling, but giving people the Word of God. You know, it's interesting. Martin Luther, when he was being examined, Martin Luther, uh, when they wanted him to recant, you know what his answer was? Show me from God's word where I am wrong and then I will recant. See, the word of God is what we stand on. It is the sword that we wield. Why? Because 
It's the truth. And of course, really, it's Christ. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Wow. We have a great, great God. Uh, we need to wield it. You know what? We need to take it out and look at it. Let me ask you, is it rusty? When have you had it out lately to look at it? To examine it? How polished is it? Does it glisten and glean? Can, do you blind the enemy with it? Because you, it's so polished. Is it uh, a real sword to you? Or is it just a little switchblade, a little pocket knife about like that? You know, we think it's a pocket knife. I love Crocodile Dundee, remember? And when the guy comes up to rob him and he pulls out his switchblade, goes kink, and he said, give me your money. And then uh, Crocodile reaches back and pulls this, it's really a sword, he called it a knife. He said, that's not a knife. This is a knife. And we got to remember, we have a sword a sharp two-edged sword that God has given us. And of course, he just about ripped the guy's jacket off with this thing too, you know, and it got, he ran away. And that's how you resist Satan, is it not? The Word of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, taking that Amen. to change lives. And by the way, it'll change your life too. Hallelujah. Have you ever felt like a hypocrite when you tell something that they need to do? And you're doing the exact thing that you're telling them they shouldn't do? That's, that's a hypocrite. So we need to take that sword and we need to let it pierce us. We need to be torn up by it. We need to die to self. We need to die to who we are. And we need to live under Christ that He is really all that we need. Let's pray. Father, how glorious is your word uh, that you have given us this armor. Uh, Lord, it's, a, it's just amazing grace that you have taught us to fear. You have taught us, Lord, uh, as the writer of Amazing Grace said, by your grace you have done this in our hearts and our lives, and we give you the praise and the glory. And, and Lord, help us uh, to walk, to walk in newness of life, and to quote Scripture, to know Scripture, to love Scripture, to love your Word. Use it against Satan and, uh, and against his temptations and attacks. Lord, encourage us. Encourage us, God. We need encouraging as we uh, seek to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. In His name we pray, amen.